This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. All right, welcome back. I am Rich. And I am Paul. And today we are talking about the 1979 novel, short novel? You said novella the last novella? time. Novella? I, I mean, I like, know. what is even the fucking dividing line between it, short novel and novella? Like, I don't cares? know. I don't know. It, well, it's listed at 208 pages officially, but in this book that we both got in the same book, copy. It's like 180 it's something. 186. Yeah. It's a Han Solo at Star's End. And uh, this is uh, from the Han Solo Adventures, a short trilogy by Brian Daly, who actually, I found out, actually also did the uh, radio dramatizations. He wrote the scripts for the dramatizations for Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. Oh, really? Uh, that were done on NPR back in the 80s, or late 80s, early 90s? I don't know. But um, yeah, so, so here we are. We're taking a break from the Jedi again, and we're going to... yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, uh, Rich, uh, yes. b- before we start talking, yes. can we get a patented Rich Davenport summary <laughs> of the novella that we're talking about? Indeed. It's actually going to be just about as long as the novella. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, two years before the iconic Battle of Yavin, smuggler Han Solo and his Wookiee life mate Chewbacca run afoul of the authority the enforcers for the corporate sector on the outer rim. Told that he needs to refit his ship to meet safety standards, the scoundrel takes his ship to his friend Doc, only to discover that Doc has disappeared. Doc's daughter Jessa is willing to make the necessary upgrades and make sure that Han and Chewie are not harassed by the authority for a long time, provided that Han and Chewie pick up some undercover agents and find Jessa's dad for her. Han agrees, and they meet up with Reckon, I'm thinking that's how you pronounce his name, on Orin 3. Rackin is part of a group who are looking for lost loved ones. Uh, the rest of the team, or the rest of the group are Torm, a redheaded male human. I put that in there because they kept saying fucking They kept red-headed. saying redheaded, yeah. Redhead every fucking yeah. time. It's like, we got it. He's got red hair, dude. A redheaded male human searching for his brother and father and the cat-like Atari? Atari? Atari and her cub Paka, who are searching for her mate. Reckon is searching for his nephew. I just, I didn't know how to work that in there. Uh, they, <laughs> also, <laughs> also Reckon is searching for his nephew. <laughs> By the way, uh, they, gather da- they gather data and, f- and fight off the authorities' security police, or ESPOs, and escape on the Falcon, but Chewie is captured by the authority. Reckon convinces Han to run, promising that he can help Han find Chewie. However, Han later finds Reckon murdered and figures out that Torm is to blame. Torm was paid off by the authority to derail the mission, but Reckon secretly leaves a message for Han, which gives Han the location of Star's End Prison, which is like a spire. Uh, Han punishes Torm by, instead of just blasting him, blowing him out of the goddamn airlock, alien style. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, not only that, but into hyperspace. Into hyperspace, yes. Uh, The remaining group, including droids Bollocks and Blue Max, uh, Blue Max, who lives in Bollocks's chest cavity, make their way to Star's End, where they pose as entertainers for the megalomaniacal ruler of Star's End, Herkin. Herkin only wants to watch Bollocks posing as a warrior droid battle his assassin droid, but Atari and Paka—I'm calling her Atari from now on. Atari and Twenty Six Hundred. Do it. 
stall while Han takes Blue Max to a data center and finds the prisoners. One thing leads to another. Han causes a prison break, finds Doc, blows up the entire prison spire into space. Into space. He it's blows. so solid, it doesn't collapse. It shoots up into space. Right. Fucking cool. <laughs> During a gunfight with Herkin's bodyguard, Ulra Shan, whom Han kills. Everyone heads back to Doc's where Jessa offers Han a chance to completely upgrade the Falcon, which gives Chewie a Wookiee boner and Han as Han and Jessa work out the details. Yeah, and, and by the way, gives Han a real boner. Yeah. Because yeah. clearly she wants him to, like, you know, reformat her drive, too, you know, <laughs> in, in not so many words. You know? <laughs> it's true, but he's not interested. And she's like, the fuck? <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So I, um, I also made a list of words and phrases that I felt felt completely out of place in a Star Wars book, and I would like to read that phrase, that, that series of phrases and 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 words to you now because I didn't I didn't put them in like where they were in the story. Okay, well, first, for, for, so first, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> And now, presenting Rich Davenport's list of words from Han Solo at Star's End that don't belong in Han Solo at Star's End. Starring Rich Davenport. Written by Rich Davenport. (laughs) Directed by Rich Davenport. Executive producer, Rich Davenport. I like this. Wait, um, can I get an... Am I eligible for an Emmy here, or...? Uh, I think we have to submit it, but probably. Oh yeah, for their yeah. consideration. Yeah, for your consideration. Okay. All right. So what I would like to do is I would like to I would like to read the word or phrase, and you tell me if you think it also does not belong, or if, <laughs> or, if or if I'm just fucking nuts. Okay. First one, yo. Dude, I saw that one and I was like, really? Yeah. It does not belong. Right. Okay. Good. Toots. Uh, so also and maybe you wrote this one down mm-hmm. doll yeah doll yep. okay yeah yep. yeah agreed toots and doll they they kind of go together all right old spaceman's home <laughs> does not belong okay good yeah um oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to remember not to put doll in there because i have it here uh bozo as yeah, in, what? as in the fucking clown. Yeah. What? With, okay. It does not belong. Is Bozo? Is Bozo the clown canonically part of Star Wars? Then is that what they're saying? Like, so here's the, here's what would, here's what would be great is like because we've we've mentioned the Tommy Westfall universe, right? Right. right? Oh shit. Yeah, but right. but what if what if somehow Bozo the clown wraps that right? And so Tommy Westfall is somehow part of the Bozo verse. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually a, a higher level than Tommy Westfall somehow. That'd be great. I, that's, I, could, uh, I could deal with that. We'll, we'll, do, we'll figure it out. So, so are we going to say that Bozo should belong then? Uh, well, I think what we, we'll say is that in the, in the larger construct of the Bozoverse, <laughs> Bozo belongs, but not in, not in this. It only exists in this story to tie it together because there was nothing else okay. Tommy Westfall-wise to, to bring it together. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sucker. I go either way on that one, but yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we already talked about doll. How about chump? Yeah. Nope. That's not a Star Wars word to me. <laughs> All right. Here's a phrase. If you were any smaller, I'd have to throw you back. 
Yeah. Like, what are we fucking <laughs> fishing now? Hubbub. Oh, weird. Yeah, didn't, well, I didn't it, even pick up on that one. Yeah, what's what about what's all the hubbub? Bub? Baggage claim. The uh, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> do, do they do they have airplanes now in Star yeah, Wars verse? Right, like, right, yeah. obviously, Birdhouse. Similarly, Bird Brain. Birdhouse see, that and one, Bird Brain. See that one doesn't. I don't think that one belongs because. You could legit see like giant birds being like sentient species in the Star Wars verse, right? Okay. So bird brain doesn't fit, right? Because sure. like a bird brain could just could just mean like you're as smart as the 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 birdians of Birdian Four, right? <laughs> Birdian Four, <laughs> who might be like hyper intelligent anyway. I don't know, right? Right. So, right. Which in that case would be would be a compliment. Would be complimentary, right? Uh, how about moron? Moron. Oh, weird. Yeah. Oh, he. Uh, by the way, he also used. Uh, maybe you saw this. This guy used since this is 1979. Yeah. He used the word retarded. Yes. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And not in a way that was like, ah, his speech was retarded. No. From, you know. Yeah. No. It was. It was like. It was the bad way. Yeah. Yeah. It was the naughty way. It's not. Not the nice way. Shag it. Yeah. That, towards the end, he says shag it. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Be- beaten feet. Is is Brian Daly British? No, no, he's American. The fuck, Brian? <laughs> shag it. Shag it all. Put it in the boot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beat the beating. Shoot. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Just don't get your bonnet and your, and your boot uh, messed up. <laughs> um, beating feet. Oh. Let's go, Chewie. It's also just a weird one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Numskull. That's the last one that I found. Numskull. Yeah. Yep. That being said, there are other ones that I peppered into my actual notes and I'll bring them up, you know, as I as I go as um, we go along. This this concludes the list of words and phrases <laughs> that do not belong in Han Solo at Star's End. Yeah. So, Presented oh. by Richard Davenport. Right, right. There, there were other ones. So, how did you feel about this book altogether? So, so altogether, I thought that this book was several things. A, a welcome respite from all the force stuff. Yep. Although, we can get into this. Did you catch the force was still in it? No, I only welcome. got one reference to anything that I recognized. As we'll, part of that. we'll come back to it because okay. th- and maybe we were talking about the same thing, but he didn't call it so. the force, didn't call it the force, but there was mention of things that were like, Oh, that's kind of the force. So, hmm. okay. So, a, so a welcome respite from all the Jedi Sith shit we've been doing. Right. A- and, and be a very welcome respite because I like Han Solo. Yeah. And, and I like, and I, and, and I liked the way that this guy did Han Solo. For the yeah. most part. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was good. Yeah. For the most part, it was good. Overall, I did like it. I did like it. Yeah. It was, it was very, it, it felt like Star Wars. It was like, it kind of was like, if you take all of the, not that there's a whole lot of it, but it had this very, this very much a feel of like, take the Timothy Zahn novels mm-hmm. and remove the Jedi stuff. And this has that feel to it. Yeah. This is, this is like 15 years before that or whatever, but like, right. in other words, it writes Han Solo and Chewbacca having their adventures very well. You right. know what I mean? It, it's yep. a good, 
it's a good adventure story. Absolutely. And Han Solo is like even more than Luke, like Han Solo is like the adventurer of mm-hmm. Star Wars, especially in the films, right? Right. Like Han Solo is the one who's like who kind of knows everybody, at least on the CD mm-hmm. side of the world, of <laughs> right. the galaxy. Yeah. You yeah. know, everyone's kind of like, oh, he owes me 30 credits, you know, that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> he um, he, he's like always skipping from world to world. And one of, I, I thought about this too. So apart from the mention of the thing that might be the force that we'll get to, mm-hmm. I, also, I also wrote down, so this is my question to you. We can discuss okay. this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So even though, even though this is not like Jedi Sith shit at all, Mm-hmm. And there's no straightforward mention of the force. Right. I did start to think about Han Solo in terms of like all the ways that you see him in the various Star Wars things. And I kind of started to wonder how connected is Han Solo to the force? I take a different fictional universe as inspiration for the question, but I'll let you, I'm going to let you kind of ponder that and talk about it a little bit. Okay. I have some more thoughts there too. I, I, I'm, I'm loading, I'm loading you up while I wait in, wait in the bushes with my shells and the shotgun, right? Of things that I've thought about for this question as well. Are you, are you Rumsfeld? What's going on here? <laughs> I think I might be Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. That's what it is. Not Rumsfeld. Yeah, yeah. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Sorry. Well, you're I, the I old told guy you. I shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the old guy that you shot. What the? What the? Hey, anyway. look, a bird. <laughs> 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 I don't think that he is consciously connected to the force. He doesn't even believe in the force. I mean, he says that very plainly in A New Hope. He says, you know, hooky religions and, you know, all that are no match for, you know, a good blaster or whatever. Yeah. Good blaster at your side. But so I don't think that he is consciously connected to the force, but I think that he is connected to the force. All living things are in that. What made me think of that is, that that shootout at the end with Ulrus, huh? Ulrus the, the lizard guy yeah. lizard guy in that shootout han you know the other guy gets a shot off first but han like you know kind of hip fires yeah without, without aiming he doesn't have a chance to aim you know and i mean we've i've fired a gun before i had a hard enough time aiming yeah and getting but where i need a gun shoot. like up to my eye i still can't hit stuff right yeah, so yeah. yeah you know so like it, it takes a matter of you know, skill or maybe a little bit of influence from the force, you know, maybe it, maybe the universe needs him to be alive two years from now to help the battle of Yavin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, see, and that's, and so, okay. So that's kind of where I was going. I'm glad you caught, caught what I was picked up, what I was putting down. Okay. Is that, so I draw my, I draw my sort of not inspiration, but there's a connective thought here. There's, there's the, uh, there's the world of the Robert Jordan novels, the wheel of time. And I haven't even read all of them because it's like, after like four of them, it's just like murder to even try to read them all. I, <laughs> I, like nothing happens for like 10 books or whatever. I, have I don't never know. It just, in- it just got too slow for me, but there's in that book, there's the concept called there's, there's the wheel of time. And then there's the, like the one power that powers the wheel. It's kind of like the force. Mm-hmm. So if you can touch the one power, you can, you can be what's called a channeler and you can do magic and stuff. But there's also people that they call Taverin, which means that you are connected to the one power, but you can't use it like a magician, but you are very important to how the wheel of time turns. So even though you can't do the magic like the channelers or the Jedi, 
you still have like interesting and amazing things happen to you because you are so important to how like destiny unfolds. Right. Okay. Sure. So, so in that, in that I, I thought about that when I thought about my question of is Han connected to the force? Because the, the, so the reason I thought about Han was that like every Han Solo story, novel, comic, whatever, has him and Chewie escape from ridiculous things. Yeah. Like yes. any other smuggler should be dead a thousand times over <laughs> from all of the things Han Solo does. Yep. Even just, just in this book alone, he pulls off like five or six different like ridiculous feats of like slim to none chances of success kinds of things. Right. And then I'm sure right. the other novels in this series, and then all through the Zahn stuff and all through the whatever stuff, he is constantly doing that stuff. He is constantly pulling off just ludicrous things mm-hmm. that any one of them should have, any one of those things should have killed him long ago, but he's so important to like destiny and whatever that he scrapes through by little bits and luck, little, little chances, little things about his skills. Right. All these various things that make me think that, you know, he's not a Jedi. He's not, you know, a force user. He's not force sensitive, mm-hmm. but like clearly the force is with him in some way to keep him alive, <laughs> to do the things that he does for the rebellion, for whatever else throughout the whole process. So that was, that was what was driving my question. Okay. Um, is, yeah. is that idea. But that the, concept, the, yeah. the other reason I bring up the Hansel and the force there too, is that other thing I mentioned before is that, so, right, so there's no direct mention of the force in this book, right? right? Right, They never say the force. What they do say, and I didn't catch it the first time, what Han Solo does do is he talks about the cosmic deck. Did you remember him okay. saying like that? Yeah, I do. Okay. And to me, the cosmic deck was tied to that, like, luck, destiny, chance kind of thing. Makes sense. Because he'd say, I, I turned to a patron who said, hits off the cosmic deck didn't always make things right, but right wouldn't fill an egg time around Tatooine. Like, then there's several mentions of the cosmic deck and Han thinking about drawing off the cosmic deck, which suggested, like, either it's some old metaphor that he doesn't really believe in, mm-hmm. or he kind of thinks that there is something to luck in some way. Right? He's like, he's, he's several times he's mentioning, like, Hopefully the cosmic deck gives me a good card this time or whatever. He's thinking about it in gambler's terms, but it's, it's connected to like destiny and stuff. It's connected to like chance being a little better for him, you know, and things like that. Or being able to make a hip fire shot. Yeah. And by the way, with, by the way, the hip fire shot, like every other picture of Han Solo in any media is him firing from the hip. Right. He's not like, He's not like staring down the barrel and like aiming. He's like yeah. got it kind of out in front of him like this. That's true. Yeah. You know? He's firing pretty much from the hip. On, yeah. In like any, any picture he fires from the hip when he kills Greedo. Right. That's true. Yeah. He, he does. fires from the hip yep. when he kills the guy in, in solo the movie. Yeah, that's right. He's so yeah. When he killed solo, Beckett. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when he, when he, when he killed the Woody Harrelson's character, um, he yeah. shot from the hip. Like Han Solo huh. was always shooting from the hip. <laughs> So <laughs> anyway, it just like it, it, it fit in, I guess. Anyway, this, the, okay. that, this, is, this is my tangent from this book. And this That's is not fine. to say that this is a novel about the force. But what I am saying is I think that the cosmic deck concept is Brian Daly's way of like dropping a little something in there that sort of rhymes with the force without having to make his novel about the force. Right. Right. Well, 
in, in even insinuating that that Han does have some sort of belief. Some sort of, yeah, some sort of yeah. belief or connection to it. Yeah. I think that what Brian Daly had, and probably Alan Dean Foster too, because I, I'm not sure which one came out, Splinter of the Mind's Eye or this one, which one came out first. They had the freedom of being the first ones on the playground. Yeah. They could kind of do whatever the, whatever the fuck they wanted. And this book specifically, now we're not, I mean, we're not talking about Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but and we, maybe we'll do that at some point, but for specifically mm-hmm. to this book, it has a lot of the hallmarks of finding your place in a new world. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But it, what, what made me think about it is, is things like he calls things agro robots and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like, like nobody, there's there no terminology for that by that point. Right. Um, oh, I also, I also wrote down Vibroblade. Vibroblade. Yes. First is appearance he the, the origi- terminology. Is, is Brian Daly the originator of the Vibroblade? I wrote that down too. I wonder if Knights of the Old Republic got the idea from this book. But the, my there's, other part is, God, sorry. no, go ahead. No, go on. No, go ahead. No, there's, there's like, the, like the earlier or later you are in the Star Wars anything, there's like archaeology at work, right? Right. Because right. you're always like, is this where, for example, vibroblades come into the canon or right. into the, into the 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 knowledge set of Star Wars? Because like between 1979 when this was published and 2003 or whatever when Knights of the Republic was published or 2002 or whatever it was. Like that's 22, 23 years. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Vibroblades show up in other things between there. I imagine they do anyway. And if so, like, like you'd have to like trace a lineage back for any sort of term or concept to try to find where it starts. And like this one, right. we're not even sure hundred percent that this is where Vibroblades start as a thing. Right. All we know is they didn't show up in the first film or any right. of the films. Right, but they are important to many of the pieces of stuff in the Star Wars world. Right, you know? the the history of Star Wars is yeah, yeah, very important to that. Yeah, um, and there's like this is the first and maybe the only place I'm not sure where the like the authority shows up. You know, yeah, yeah, the corporate sector. You know, yeah. run run by a big company. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's up with that? like sort of a legit hut empire kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it, right. but it's like on the outer rim and they say, don't they say there are like 10,000 systems in the corporate sector? Yeah. You know what? I had made a note of that. I made a note regarding that, that on page 72, I don't have my book with me, but on page 72, Han basically gets it. He gets that it's a big, big galaxy. He, he makes some comments and I wish I would have, I wish I would have grabbed my book before we, started this but he specifically makes note of like out of all the systems in the corporate sector right yeah 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 i think this book even even this book sort of since since the first star wars since the since the first film mm-hmm. gives you the sense that okay it's like this is galaxy spanning but how much is there right right so since the corporate sector is like supposedly just on the outer arm of the outer whatever and it's 10,000 systems if that is to be the scale, I mean, you can only imagine how many fucking systems are in the Star Wars galaxy, the Republic and the other the unknowns and all that stuff, right? How, how fucking weird would it be if the Empire was really only like one small section of the galaxy? Yeah. As, while the rest of the, like everybody else is just kind of like, meanwhile, Palpatine is like fucking, I am all the Sith and Dre's like, I am all the Jedi and these people over on like, 
this other cluster of stars are like, what's going on over there? <laughs> what do you what do you got? What's the what the fuck what's are these that? people? Yeah. Yeah, because there are clearly species who know of the force well before Jedi appear or Sith appear or whatever. In um Knights of the Old Republic, the Rakata, who existed for thousands of years before the Republic did right. it all, were using the dark side of the force to do their things that they were doing, the Star Forge and whatnot. Yeah. And then there I looked I actually went and looked them up. There was a species before them that sort of gave the Rakata like technology and stuff who discovered them. And like that species knew of the force as well. So yeah, if, if the galaxy really is as splintered as it seems to be in this novel, it, somewhere there's like a, there's like the Rakata equivalent of the Jedi. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. there's like the, the unknown regions equivalent of Jedi, whatever right. that might be. Right. Fuck, there's gotta just... be, there's gotta be that because yeah, like, since the Jedi seem to be like a tool of the Republic in their expansion phase, mm-hmm. like there is clearly much of the galaxy, especially back when that had, they didn't know what the Jedi were like, nobody, uh, you know, but everybody you know what the Republic was, but everybody knew what the force was. Cause for right. the force was apparently common enough that you could, that everybody knew what it was, whether they were using it or whatever. Right. But, or calling it the force or calling it something. Yeah. Else. Calling it something else. Right. You have a look on your face. Fuck, dude. That's like this is just mind-blowingly like big, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like this. It's comes- almost like it's it's almost like it's either a good or a bad choice yeah. to have an entire galaxy be the home of your fictional world, right? Yeah. Because like it's it like just human psychology-wise, people. I think people find it hard to grasp just how many stars and systems and planets could be involved in something like that. Yeah. If you take it seriously, you know? Right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, define it strictly as, you know, tens of thousands of stars, each of the stars have, you know, their own little solar system. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it's one of those, it's one of those scaling things we keep talking about. Right. Where, right. Yeah. Where the, the scale of it, just like sometimes the scale is not appropriately thought about. This book thinks about it the right way, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or this book thinks about it, I guess you could say. Whereas some things tend to treat the treat the galaxy like it's Coruscant and a couple other planets, and that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Which is interesting. And this book also, I imagine. So this book, Bollocks is a veteran of the Clone Wars. He makes mention he was in the Clone Wars. The right. robot was. Yeah. Like, and so. Since since the only mention of the Clone Wars at this at the time this book was written, archaeology wise, the only knowledge of the Clone Wars is the brief mention in A New Hope. You yeah. kind of wonder. So what did Brian Daly think the Clone Wars was? Oh man, I you wish we mean? could find that out. Yeah, wouldn't it be so great? Because you got to imagine that he's he's a guy who seems to have a grasp on, or he thinks about scope and scale, right? Gal- galactic scope and scale. Right. So does he think the Clone Wars was truly like, cause when I think about it, I think I always feel like the, the various series and things, they get the scale wrong, but I feel like this guy would probably think similarly to me in that potentially millions of systems, not just soldiers, but systems could have been involved in a galaxy spanning conflict, which would mean billions and trillions, maybe even quadrillions of people died in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Just because nobody knew what it, what it was, right? Right. Because because Brian Daly could like dream up whatever it could be, right? Sure. Yeah. So so it's one of those things where 
because it was just a mention. I mean, just like everything that came out after A New Hope is all like, you know, you get stories and novels and speculative whatever about like one, a character who appears for one second, right? yeah. all that yeah. stuff, right? But it, but that's one of those things that it could that could be part of this whole mess is that that's the Clone Wars and the scale of that and that that theme that we keep coming back to that we said. It's interesting to think of it that way because like, okay, you think about like scale-wise World War II. We're talking about multiple nations on one planet, not all of them, but multiple nations yeah. Yeah. having, you know, a big, big fights, right? Big fights. Big fights. If you just blow that up, not all the systems are going to be involved. It's, it, like whether it, whether it is billions and trillions dead or not, it, it is deserving of the thought of that scale. Yeah, right? absolutely. It is yeah. deserving of, well, if this, if this cluster of systems over here is not involved, why aren't they involved? You know what I mean? Or that, just that kind of thing. If this sector has low Clone Wars action, why? And if this sector, yeah. this sector has high Clone Wars action, why? You know? Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to derail us from this one, but. No, man, no. That's that, that's what we do. That's that is our that is our mo. <laughs> but so so let me come back to it because you asked me, but I didn't ask you. Did you enjoy this? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I found some of it to be clunky, but I, I, I keep going back to the idea that, that these guys were the first ones in the sandbox, right? Yeah. They were the first ones yeah. on the playground. So they're, they're feeling their way out. They're learning yeah. how they want, you know, all the pieces to, to, to move. And so I was okay with a lot of the clunkiness in this. Whereas with, say, like Tales of the Jedi, they, they have 20, 25 years worth of <laughs> driving the car the car's broken in at this point just, just get in the car and drive you know yeah and 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 they're you know what you know yeah they're they're working with unknown territory within that world there still should be there's a lot more stuff to work with right there. yeah yeah so i can forgive things like you know there being a space traffic court you know i mean i can forgive that because yeah. <laughs> we didn't know that there wasn't going to be a space traffic court you know <laughs> he didn't know you know it like droids being written as the abbreviation apostrophe droids. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, you can forgive stuff like that. Is that how the Lucas novelization was? I do not recall. Okay. I do not recall. We should we should we should do that one time. We should. I we absolutely should because I haven't read those. Yeah. Well maybe we can get to eventually Return of the Jedi, my favorite. I wish I could I wish I had my notebooks full of that, that story. <laughs> written out. That's I would right. read that. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to talk about droids because it struck me. It comes up again. There's a whole lot more there's droids. There's a whole okay. droid thing here. I, I've, I've written down a few things here. The first thing is having been written in 1978, 79, this book has a very unique perspective on droids in that mm -hmm. they're not all using ID numbers as names. R2, D2, C3PO are, are yeah. identification numbers. Yep. Not just yep. names, right? And they are colloquially yep. used as names, but these droids are named Bollocks and Blue Max. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my mind just went on a little trip. Not that kind of trip, but... like, Take, take us there, bro. Take us there. <laughs> so, what if... Now, there was talk later that, that there was some sort of droid rebellion, right? We'd never seen it. We don't... No, we don't know anything about it, but like yeah. in like in Tales of the Jedi, they mention it. It's offhand comment that's mentioned. Yeah. What if 
droids were enslaved after that. And the ID numbers are their slave names. Ooh. And their real names are whatever they want to be. Like, like think about it from like the X-Men perspective, right? Like Magneto is what he considers to be his name, not Eric yeah. Lencher. Eric Lencher yeah. is, is his human name. It's the name of his yeah. professor, right? So that is something that I was thinking about Every time I read Bollocks and Blue Max's name. Yeah. I was thinking, are those names nice. that they gave themselves or are those what put on them yeah. by their makers or whatever? There's mention of droids. Bollocks actually requests a specific assignment. So we're talking about droid autonomy again, right? He wants uh, things. He wants, yeah. he has desires. He, he, he's yeah. looking for something. Droids have things have have feelings like admiration because at one point they they're taking Reckon and they're gonna pump him out the airlock, which is really fucking weird. But I think it's Bollock. It is Bollocks. Bollocks is saying this was a great man, and Hans yeah. like Hans like I don't fucking know. Just put him in the airlock, and yeah. And Bollocks says something along the lines of to have a purpose that you care about greater than your own life or yourself is that not greatness. So he admires Reckon. He also yeah. probably aspires, right? So he has he, aspirations. And he, he, he thinks about purpose. He, he, right. he, he is aware of himself and what he could do to survive. And what, he thinks, and what he thinks survival is, is continuing to find purpose. Right. Because to him, I mean, like, and this happens, Blue Max he takes a copy of him when his body is destroyed. Yeah. They're going to find him another body. He yep. still exists, but he needs his purpose to, you know, to yeah, to yeah. feel like he matters. They, they use the term mechanical equivalent of pain. So yeah. Droids, I noticed that. Feel pain. Yeah. And then the Mark X droid screams. Yeah. Which we have talked about that before at the, at Jabba's palace in return of the Jedi. There's a droid that's yeah. getting his feet fried. And yeah, you no, know, also, one last thing that I wrote down. Oh, here we go. Okay, so, oh, yeah, okay. So, droids are made to fight one another for humans' amusement. Um, yeah. so they really, really, really need to make a, a TV series, a book, a movie, a comic, something about the droids kind of having enough in that rebellion that they talked about in Tales of the, Revol- uh, Tales of the Jedi. Or, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be because, you know, Disney's in charge now, but they need to address this. I think. Yeah. I'm starting to think the droids are sentient. I'm starting to, I mean. Droids are sentient. I literally, I wrote that down. I keep writing it down whenever I come across ideas that are yeah. in that world. I, every, yeah. every, every document of my notes of the show is, has droids are sentient or something resembling <laughs> that in the section where I noticed that stuff. Yeah. Because, because even Han Solo goes through a transformation in this book. Yes, because he, Max, yeah. He he says so when Reckon and Reckon seems to be already there. Reckon right. yeah. is already kind to droids when you would think there's no need to be kind to something he doesn't care. But right. so there's a there's a quote. Han says Han chuckled to himself softly, amazed that anyone should be so palsy walsy with a mere droid. After Reckon is polite to Bollocks and says, "Hey, do you want to do this or whatever?" Yeah. When he he Reckon considers Bollocks's feelings about something. Right. But then later on when Han has when Han is like he takes Blue Max out of Bollocks to go to a different level of the of the star's end to like gather more intel. Mm-hmm. And they and Han is like we got to go back and save Chewie. 
And Blue Max is like, uh-uh, bro, I'm not leaving until we go back for bollocks. And, and like, Hunter's like, I'm going to smash you. And Blue Max is like, I don't care. This is the, bollocks would do the same thing for me, so I'm going to do this. You smash me if you want. Yeah. And then, and then the text says, it occurred to Han that Max's concern for his friend was no different from Han's own for Chewbacca. Right. Droids yeah. are Droids, sentient. And it reminded me, by the way, and I've, have we talked about this? I don't know if we've talked about this on, on this show or, or what, but or we've talked about it in life, I know. That I, so I'm, I'm one of those people who is a big fan of the second and third Matrix movies. Yeah. I, love, I love those movies. <laughs> I mean, obviously I have little things that I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't great. But like I, in general, I love the movies because of the ideas they attacked in those movies. Oh, yeah, the concepts and, were fantastic. Yeah, and so there's, 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 a, there's a little exchange in the matrix revolutions where neo goes to the same thing because if you remember there neo is like on this train thing between the machine world and the and the matrix and stuff like that he's like okay. this more metaphorical train and oh, there's yeah. people there's people who are on this train there and they're programs and they're trying to get their daughter program out of the matrix to save her because the matrix is going to be like reset or wiped out or whatever so they they're they're like dealing with one of the shady matrix characters to get their daughter out of the matrix into the machine world. And Neo is talking to them and Neo says I've never heard a program speak of love. It's a human emotion. And the character whose name is Ramakandri says no, it is a word. What matters is the connection the word implies. I see that you are in love. Can you tell me what you would give to hold on to that connection? And Neo says, anything. And then Ramakandra says, then perhaps the reason you're here is not so different from the reason I'm here. They're, like both of those people, Neo and Ramakandra and Han Solo and Blue Max, they have the same motivation and the same thought process and the same feelings around it. So right. why does it matter whether neurons are doing it or silicon is doing it? You know what I mean? I don't think it does. I don't think it matters whether neurons do it or silicon does it. The connection is what is important. And like Blue Max would be willing to get smashed on the floor yeah. to save bollocks. That's, that's the same. It is, it is morally the exact same thing mm-hmm. as Han Solo saying, I'll jump into a firefight to save Chewie. Right. Remember, right. Right. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I just wanted to make sure like, you picked up, you picked up on that. And I want to make sure that I, that I stayed on that thread because I had written down things on that, on that too. Definitely. Well, I, We've we've been kind of on the same page about yeah this. for for a while yeah for a while and so I notice these things now because we've yeah. talked about it so much you know I want to go back and point out that they never really talk about the empire yeah we only hear we only read the word imperial one time on page one twenty five that's the only mention of imperial mm-hmm. in the whole book and I grabbed like the empire is. Empire is pretty much a non-entity for this book. Mm-hmm. Well, because and, and that, again, speaks to the largeness of this universe. Yeah. Right? If the corporate sector can exist and exist, uh, if the corporate sector can exist in a world or in an area where nobody gives a fuck about the Empire, nobody gives a fuck about the Imperials or the Jedi or the Sith yeah. or any of that, their concern is with, we're going to take care of our business and that's that, right? Yeah. That's it then this is this galaxy has got to be or is, universe is, has got to be is, because remember that this is the empire is the republic right 
however big the Republic got to be, the empire is at least that big because the Republic became the empire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not as though there's like, there's like a little bubble of empire inside the larger Republic, the Republic, however big it got is the empire. And so if the Republic in terms of the galaxy still has room for tons of other little pockets of whatever else, then Holy shit. Like what you're right. What is out there? You know, so much. Yeah. Okay, so early on in the book, they talk about Han and Chewie's relationship. And it's alluded, I think alluded to, um, I read the beginning of this book last week and I finished the rest of the book this week. So yeah. I don't, I, I'm relying on my notes for the early stuff. But they, they mention, or he mentions, that Han and Chewie maybe served in the same military unit. Did you catch that? It's okay. Early on. And then Han stood up for him and got thrown out and nobody but Chewie would stand up for him. Maybe I completely misread that, but it should I might have glossed over it. Maybe probably because I may have glossed over it because we have because I had just seen a replacement story for that in solo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that maybe why I glossed over it because I thought to myself, this is one of N stories. Yeah, of how Han and Chewie meet up, but that, that'd be should that be a good one to go back. I need to go, I need to come back to that page, whatever it is, and look at that I, again. I don't know what the page is, but it's in chapter four. I, I separated everything okay. in chapters on my notes. Okay, so I, I can like make it easy easy reference for me. I want to go back to what we what I what I mentioned here that Bollocks's comment about having a purpose is greatness, like having something yeah. that you care about yeah. more than yourself. Do you think that that's true? And obviously it's a personal question, right? It's, it has to yep, do with, yep. like, and if you don't so, agree with it, then you're fucking asshole. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this, this much has always been true though. <laughs> so having a purpose, which I, so, which I also interpret to mean as like you, you inject or recognize meaning in all of the things you do toward that purpose and also, I, I take that to mean not only do you have purpose, but you pursue it wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and earnestly. Yeah. Then I think I agree in a sense, although maybe I would revise it. Maybe this, and this is like shooting from the hip here. Yeah. Um, maybe I revise it to say that like what might be really greatness would be like helping others find or pursue their purpose when it matches or rhymes with yours, maybe like in other words, in other words, I can, I can, I can envision a world where like you can have a purpose and find meaning or whatever, but you're relatively isolated from other people, other beings, but for the intricacies of your purpose, maybe that's okay. Maybe you don't need other people for your purpose, but I think greatness also implies like, it's kind of like almost, it's kind of almost like being famous in the sense that other people have to think you're famous for you to be famous. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like the only way to be famous is for people to think you're famous. That's true. Okay. You know? So greatness, I think greatness has a little bit of that in terms of like other people have to agree that you are great for you to have greatness. So not, and which is not to say that like, I guess at least in terms of the way that they speak about it is that like reckon has moral value in himself and 
has a purpose but he also i think his greatness comes from like the the people in his wake like also agreeing and pursuing that purpose as well i think i could i could see that that's I mean, a, do what about you do you agree i don't know if i agree with that or not i it just it stuck out to me because it's basically droid philosophy right it's, yeah it's yeah. philosophy I can relate to it in a certain sense. I mean, I immediately thought about being a parent, right? Yeah. yeah. And how, how like the purpose that I care more about than my own life is taking care of my son and mm -hmm. teaching him and helping him grow and helping him yeah. learn how to be, you know, who he's going to be, you know? I don't know that that makes me great unless somebody thinks I'm great, like you said. Because now I'm looking at it through that prism, through that prism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just posited. I'm thinking about it through that. I suppose if my kid thinks I'm great, well, then I guess I'm great to him. Yeah. Right. Well, and maybe, and maybe that, maybe that, that. Uh, so this is a good, this is a good, this is a good refining of the definition because, like, to be a great parent, maybe the, maybe the, the scope of the fame of that is the party of one, which is to say your child. If your child considers you to be great, then you have achieved parental greatness. Whereas as an actor or a musician or whatever, like you probably haven't achieved greatness unless a great many people think you, your skill or your art is at a certain level, right? The scale words, is would, completely different. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like, I don't, I don't know if I'd really consider an actor great, let's say mm -hmm. like a film actor. If like, if I was the only person who thought this person was a great actor, I'd be like, well, I don't know if this person has greatness to them. Right. Because you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bit more of a, like, what is, what is the, I guess, I guess maybe the greatness has greatness in what tied to it almost. Right. Like, so, so in your, in your case, I think you can achieve greatness as a parent, even though the audience of that is only one person, but I'm not sure you can achieve greatness in many things unless Wait, where more are you people going <laughs> like more people acknowledge it. Right. Wait, like you mean like podcasting. Well, I guess. Right. Because, because <laughs> <laughs> that's fuck. That's a good one. Because because if we never if we never achieve a million subscribers or whatever, <laughs> like I don't know that I could consider this podcast a great podcast. Except I can and and see the thing is is that I can love it the same way, and right. I would I would keep doing it if nobody listened to us. Yeah, definitely. Would. Yes, absolutely. But I wouldn't apply the label Advantage. of great to it unless there was like a million subscribers or whatever the number. I don't know what the number is. Whatever it is, right? But if only if we are shouting into the void here, basically, <laughs> then then we probably are not running a great podcast. We're having a great time with each other yeah. and like, nerding out. Right. <laughs> but it's probably not a great podcast if there's well. only us like re-listening to the episodes as they come out on Spotify or whatever. Right. <laughs> we did it. We did only have two downloads in the last. Episode. <laughs> so far, so it's uh -oh. probably you and me. Uh oh. <laughs> Ooh, time's up, fuckers. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Did you have any other? So, so I have a couple little, a couple little, couple of things here. One is a funny little aside moment. I thought about this. So, when Reckon is is dealing with Blue Max, mm -hmm. <laughs> he says, he says, "I see you have a five time input," and he like produces an adapter. You know what I mean for him to to interface the thing. I thought to myself. 
how many fucking adapters must there be in <laughs> Star Wars, in the Star Wars universe? Like, because the computer you're using in Star Wars can be made yesterday or right. it can be made 20,000 years ago. <laughs> and it's still a computer and it still works. How in, how in, the, how in the fuck does anything work in Star Wars? if it even remotely resembles our universe because like, <laughs> like my MacBook pro has only USB C <laughs> plugs in it now. And I have, I literally have three adapters sitting on my desk right now that I use for various things Yeah, <laughs> yep. on, on that device. And like, and like there's things that I used computers for like 20 years ago. Like I'm not even sure there's a chain of adapters that would go to <laughs> some of the things I used back when. You know Wait, what I mean? We like, should try and figure that out. Yeah, I know, right? That would be great. Like I had, I used like something, there used to be something called S-Video. Yeah. Yep. As an input or as an output kind of thing. Like I don't even know whether a chain of adapters from what I have now can get to S-Video to output to a chain. You'd need probably three or four adapters at least <laughs> to go from, oh, I, okay, so I can go from, I can go from S-Video to VGA and VGA right. to HDMI and <laughs> HDMI to USB-C. So technically, right? Or like who knows, I, right? I'm just saying I've got that cable if we want to make this attempt. We like, want to make the attempt? We, we could try this. Let's hook I'm sure up. You, I'm sure you probably can actually, but um, it's yeah. like, it's, it's that weird thing though. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, I, I never even, I didn't even think of it. Like, because... Like even in even in the Knights of the Old Republic, you're using your character uses computers on the Star Forge that are like thirty thousand years old. Right? Uh, right? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and you st- and still the computer spikes still work on them. Yeah. Like what the hell? Of course they do. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? <laughs> you just jam a spike in and it like computes things. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Come on, buddy. Leap blop blorp. So there's and there's one other thing I had. Yeah, yeah. Which was at one point Han is considering his like almost his alliances here, and the quote is this: He says in his 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 thoughts to say, on one side was the near absolute power of the authority, and on the other nothing more substantial than friendship and family ties. And I thought, God, that really later on. Well, early both, both if you consider now the the movie that we just saw. But also the films and later on, like that winds up being very true for Han Solo, right? Yeah. Luke and Leia become Han's family. Literally. He's, he's, he's yeah. they're the only family he's got. Yeah. And then later on when he marries Leia, they're like, they're really his family. Right. But I mean, like as, as the friends that he has, when he gets into scrapes and gets him out of scrapes and stuff like that, they are the family he's got. And he stays with them, even though like the rebellion is pretty much hopeless at, Mm-hmm. several points in the process like and that same thing goes for ray and finn in the sequel movies yeah. ray has no family finn has no family yeah. but they become each other's family and that's what they stay and fight for is that that family that friendship stuff almost like interesting almost like i'm not even sure <laughs> like they never really detail out like we as the rebellion have the following seven principles you know First of all, everyone deserves stamps. stamps. Secondly, uh, all children must be properly washed and groomed uh, 11 times a year. Like, they don't have, it doesn't seem like the rebellion has demands except, oh shit, the empire's bad. 
we must resist them, right? Right. right. At least the, if you watch the movies, that's what you think, right? Because the movies don't, movies don't give you like the deeper machinations of what the rebellion is really like going after here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's kind of enough. Like they give you enough of the empire being bad that you're like, well, I, I get it. I get why there. I get why there is a rebellion, right? Because the empire is so bad. But I, what I don't get is like, what's the, what's, the, what are the, what are the ideals that hold the rebellion together? Well, in the movies, it doesn't seem to be that. I mean, right. there, there seems to be that, but they're not spoken. Right. Right. Well, on that, on that topic, that topic of the rebellion not having a defined set of principles, the republic was established, or not republic, excuse me, the rebellion was established shortly after really shortly after the emperor took ceased power right like they were they were like well we're gonna form a rebellion that's what we're yeah. gonna do like almost is like dude we gotta make this not happen we're gonna right? motherfucking rebel yeah and like they never gave him a chance they never gave palpatine a chance we're shivy uh, but, but back to this um, is that everything that you had for? That's I have I have finished. I have completed my uh, things to say for this. <laughs> I have I have a few like little just like snippet notes that I wrote down. Oh, um, I have one more, but sorry, we'll come back. Go, to go, you no, go, go ahead. Go. No, 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 man, go ahead. Sorry, my only other one was like there was a mention that so Reckon is this guy of like he's got like a million scholarly achievements or whatever, right? Yeah. Yep. And at one point, he specialized in organic, inorganic thought interfaces. Yeah. I thought to myself, why aren't there more of those things in Star Wars? Because the only one I could think of was Lobot in True. Empire. Yeah. Who has, like, the computer attached to his head, right? Right. But, but it, clearly, those things can exist. Why aren't there more of them? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be really convenient to have? Yeah. I mean, maybe not everyone would choose to have it, but you would feel like, you, it would seem like a lot of people would choose to have computer augmentation of their minds you know what i mean yeah i mean that could, that could be a different storyline altogether i don't know that i'd want that though because then is your mind really yours at that point if you've got like some sort of like potential so, for ai evolution so i so i don't know but what i do know is a lot of people would choose it so what i'm saying is whether i myself would do it or not i'm not sure right but i know a great many people would do it yeah I don't know if that'd be a good thing though. That's, that's like a whole separate, there's like a ship of Theseus thing buried there that we need to, we yeah. need a whole episode to dive into that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we should. I think we should. Hmm. We can do it as one of our pre episode, like philosophy rants about whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We could that's do that. not tied to star Wars, but, and I just Definitely. forgot, of course I have, I have, I do have one more thing. I'm sorry. No man. Go ahead. It's fine. Chewie still gets the shaft in this fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, Chewie gets the shot. There was only like one moment where you even get treated to his thoughts. Right. Yeah, yeah, but you and do get the his other thoughts. Thing, you do get his thoughts, so that's yeah. that's better than nothing. Right. right. But do you notice that Han Solo just bosses him around all the fucking time? <laughs> yes. And he but, still doesn't get translations. Right. Except the one guy, at least, the one guy speaks Shiriwook. He oh. um, Reckon speaks Shiriwook. Yeah. But they don't tell you what he says. No, no. So it's almost like, is Wookiee, is, is Shiri Wook just like impossible to like, I don't know, it's, it's weird that like, even when, because when Reckon speaks to him, he's like, the, the, the text is like, and Reckon 
acknowledge his joke or whatever. Like, but it, like, what did he say? What, <laughs> yeah. Why can't we know tell what us, he said? Tell us what the fuck he said. By, oh, I've got it. So, um, you know, the, the Chewbacca graphic novel that we're going to give away or trade paperback that we're going to give away. I got that from, from my local comic shop, right? I'm, yeah. I mentioned them the last time. I'll do it again. It's, uh, it's uh, Issues Needed Comics in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Anyway, but the, uh, when I was picking that up, the, uh, we were having this conversation about like why Chewie never gets subtitles or, or translation yeah. or anything. And uh, the owner at the shop, Jason, he said, uh, maybe it's because Chewbacca only says like the most horrid shit you can think <laughs> of. <laughs> I thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, like maybe Chewbacca, maybe Han Solo is like just injecting other things entirely. Right. right? He's like censoring Chewie, Chewbacca. Chewie is like telling aristocrats level jokes just like all the time, <laughs> you know? So I just have a little couple of little like snippets that I wanted to th- go through here. They make a couple of references to church and clergymen implying that there are other religions besides the Jedi religion yeah. in the Star Wars universe. And that's not something that we've been privy to before. No, but you, and, like, and that's a great point because you really think there would be, right? right. With there would be a ton of religions. Yeah. There would yeah. have to be. I have one bone to pick with this book. They made Chewie give puppy dog eyes Aww. in chapter two. Chewie gives fucking puppy dog eyes. I was like, if this is where this book is going, I am not going to be along for the ride. Thankfully, it got better. But it got better. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. When in the Falcon, show them playing space chess. Yes. Yes. Always. They did space chess. That was awesome. Always have to play space chess. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars also has voicemail, as evidenced on page eighty-five, chapter six, page eighty-five. Reckon. Oh yeah. Let That's Reckon right. leaves a space voicemail. For <laughs> <one. laughs> The the idea that Han, while he and um, Bollocks are dragging Reckon to the airlock, that the idea that Han is like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's great or not. I just need to put him in the airlock. <laughs> that that is, that is some dark humor right there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, dark humor. It really is. Two two more little snippets, and then and then I have a question. First, in Chapter 9, when Han is with Blue Max and they're in the, uh, the uh, Star's End data room or whatever, and he's, he's like, hooking them up and, and trying to, like, block the guy's view and all that stuff, and the dude comes over and tries to, like, take a peek. Han fucking James Bond karate chops him. That's right! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he turned into Sean Connery for a second. There's like, yeah. I was like, whoa, dude. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And then the other, the other one is that every single time that they mention Herkin's wife, they got to mention that she is obese. She's fat. Yeah. Like yeah. every fucking time. And yeah. I felt, I felt attacked, man. I felt <laughs> fucking attacked. I was, I was like proxy fat shamed by that. <laughs> I know. Like fucking, wait, why are you? She's so fat. What's going on? What does it matter? I don't understand. Okay, so I want to talk about Han blasting Torm out the airlock and into hyperspace. Han, I mean, he's he's an anti-hero, right? He he shoots first, asks questions later, blah, blah, blah. But blasting someone out of an airlock into hyperspace is a completely different level of 
I don't give a fuck than we've ever seen from Han before. Do you think that was out of character? It's hard to say because there's the, so I guess the question to be raised or the question that I think about with that question is, did that resemble self-defense enough to justify it? Because Han killed Greedo, like just Mm -hmm. like, but Greedo had a gun on him. Like, Right. Greedo said, you know what, maybe I'll just blast you now or whatever. And like, but Torm was trying to negotiate his way out of the airlock and like out of his situation. And I was like, nah, motherfucker, you're out. Yeah. So the other thing too, is that like, how much, how much can you trust what Torm is saying in that scenario when he's already killed one person, at least one person possibly also killed that other person who didn't report in that day. That's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was supposed to be another person. There was supposed to be somebody who was reporting in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to kill somebody, it is more merciful to blast them out in hyperspace than it is into normal space because in normal space, this person would suffocate to death. Right. Right. In hyperspace, he gets like his, his like atoms unwound or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. At which point it's like, can you really suffer if your brain is like, you know, not, no longer atoms anymore. Like yeah. I don't think you can suffer then, right? You're just like nothing then basically. That or you're experiencing pain on a level that no other that, being that, that no has other never being, been. Right. You, maybe you become one with hyperspace and suffer all the torment of all <laughs> hyperspace. Holy fuck. Oh God. Oh God. How <laughs> sentence him to hell forever. I guess the thing is like, couldn't he have just kept the guy in the airlock indefinitely? Right. Cause like, Cause like the, cause the thing was locked and it was securely locked or whatever. Right. Right. So the guy is in the airlock and as long as that, as long as that airlock is not the one that they have to walk through to get to wherever they're going, the, the, the merciful way, and maybe I would have taken this into consideration Mm -hmm. is that, okay, so if this airlock is not an airlock I need right now, maybe I let the guy live and then like drop him off somewhere somehow or, or whatever. I don't know. But I didn't think of him as like unjustified in what he did because the guy did, the guy did murder somebody right there on the ship. True. And, and kind like, of the leader like, of the whole expedition. So. Yeah. And, and admitted to it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, what, so what about you? It struck me as overkill like to start with, but the more I thought about it as I kept going, the more I thought, okay, it seems like a Han Solo kind of move. Like dude's negotiating with them. He's like, nah, I'm good. Punch him out the airlock, you know? Yeah. So it kind of seems like a Han Solo thing. The more I read and the more comfortable I got in Brian Daly's writing and in the story in general, mm. I think the, the more I enjoyed the idea. Mm. Okay. I think I was, I was fine with it. But then again, I, you know, when it comes to fiction, I don't, I don't care if I've got like, you know, a-hole characters or people that are morally ambiguous. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but I, so I wanted to know what Paul Solo would have done, I guess. Is yeah. So if, if it was me, yeah. I think I would have thought about can can this airlock just hold the guy forever, right? right. But but I'm with you in that I it didn't bother me that Han Solo did it. I think it would have bothered me more if Luke Skywalker had done it. Yeah. Yes. Especially yeah, after definitely. like especially like after Jedi training and stuff like that if Luke yeah. Skywalker had done that, that would have bothered me more or Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever like yeah. especially the Obi-Wan it would have bothered me because you would think that somebody like him would be all about like justice in the eyes of the law mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, right? But Han Solo doing it. And the, yeah. see, the thing is, is that like Han Solo is such a great anti-hero that like, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily do things that you can't see justification for. Mm-hmm. Like I can see just, just, I can see the justification for doing what he did. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that he was 
absolutely morally wrong in what he did there, I don't think. I lied. I had one other, one last thing. You fucking dick. I know I suck. Wet, wet Wookie kiss at the end. <laughs> at the very end, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that sounds gross, like, man. Is Chewie French kissing the Falcon yeah. kids or whatever? Yeah. Jesus. Like, oh, oh, oh. So, ex- so excited about all that extra. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> make out with the Falcon now. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're pretty well wrapped up on this. Where do you want to go from here? Where do we go from here is a question that I should have thought about before this moment right now. Fuck. Sometimes the best directions that we've found have been off the cuff. Do we want to, do we want to stick with prose for right now? Do we want to stick with like novels or short stories? Something along those lines. And do we want to stay away from the force? I mean, we, we did, we did like good 12, 13 episodes on the force, right? Or I have another idea. We have exactly one written review on our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And it's, uh, speaking of James Bond, it's by a fellow named Lazenby Number One, <laughs> referencing George Lazenby. Yeah. Who, by the way, uh, Lazenby Number One, I agree. George Lazenby was the best Bond. This person went looking specifically for the Heir to the Empire comics and like information about Yeah. That. Yeah. Should we, to honor our one review should we do dark force rising the comics? dude that's that's a good idea actually because i remember was that one of the episodes that we lost or did we have that one in there no we have it we have it okay yep because that was actually pretty like i remember that there was some weirdness in a few places but i yep. i generally enjoyed both reading the comics but also the discussions that we had about the comics that I too. agree. I agree. Let's do that. Fuck, that's a good idea. <laughs> I would well, be totally up for that. I have them every once in a while, but so what so about I'll, this? Should we yeah. do? Should we do? Dark Force Rising next episode, and then Last Command the following episode. Should we? Because they're like four or five issues per novel, right? Yep, there's six issues each. Okay, six issues, and six yeah. issues has been pretty much our standard per episode digestible amount. Yeah, when it comes to right? comics, absolutely. When it comes to comics? Yep. Yeah. Should we just do those two books for our next two episodes then? That or the 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 comicalization <laughs> of of those two books for the next two episodes? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Let's we can do that. Do that. Fuck, we can wrap awesome. that up. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later!